This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. One of the things that I most enjoy is I get to catch up with some family that I don't get to see as often as I like. So I got, I got together with some family a couple of days ago over the Christmas holiday. And a member of my family who I promised I would not out, meaning in terms of my relationship with her or her name, one of my cousins who heard this discussion said, but make clear it's not a second cousin that lives around the corner from you. And it's not. But anyway, a family member recently was in Florida and we'll call her um, we'll call her Cynthia, not her name, but we'll just make that up. Cynthia. I accidentally called someone Cynthia, someone's wife, Cynthia, who wasn't Cynthia the other day. So now it's in my head that Cynthia, I felt bad. Her name is Cindy. Sorry about that, Cindy. Uh, But I um, she's telling me the story, how she's in in Florida, I think around uh, uh, in the Florida Keys area. And she said she went into the store, gift shop, and she said she went and purchased a bunch of items, or she was about to purchase a bunch of items, some keychains and stuff, not expensive things, but maybe about $20, $25 worth of stuff. And then she goes towards the counter to pay for this, and she sees a sign that says, Biden stole the election. And she doesn't agree with that at all. She's not a Trump supporter, but even more than not being a Trump supporter, she doesn't believe it's appropriate to be advertising the fact that Biden stole the election. So here's what she did. She goes over to the front counter and says, you know, I was going to purchase these things, but I'm not because of that sign. I just want you to know that that sign is costing you business. She puts the items back and she leaves. Now, interestingly enough, she said the person who she said that to at the store actually followed her and her friends for a couple of blocks. Didn't do anything, didn't try to, you know, uh, touch them or, or push them or anything like that. But he did follow them for a couple of blocks after that. So it got all of us that were part of this discussion thinking, let's say a store advertises a political point of view that you very much disagree with. What do you do? And my wife uh, shares a story about how that we were going to go to a diner, diner that we both like. This is a couple of years ago. This is before we were married. And they had a sign for a politician that we both do not like. We both dislike this person both politically and on a personal level. So... Rachel says to me, well, I'm not going there. While they have that sign up, there is no way I am eating there. And I said, all right, I mean, can't we just eat there? The food's good. We, we like it. She said, nope, I am not giving them my business. I am, as long as they're advertising for that so-and-so, I am not giving them my business. So the difference between what Cynthia did and what my wife did 
is we just went elsewhere with my wife. She didn't go in there and say, you know, I would be eating here if not for that sign you've got out in front. And so I was talking to Cynthia about why she did this. I said, um, why did you feel the need to tell them that? And she said, well, I wanted them to know exactly why they were losing business. I didn't want them to guess that maybe I was changing my mind about purchasing this. I wanted them to know it was because of that sign, Biden stole the election. I thought, huh. Because if it were me, uh, usually I would generally, at this point in my life, you know, I've become so accepting of everything. I, If it were me, I would just probably still patronize the establishment. If they had a service that I wanted or a good that I wanted, I would still probably patronize it. Now, there are times in my life where that would not be the case, where, you know, a business had a sign up for somebody that I really disliked and I wouldn't go in there. But um, I'm over that because I feel like it's so difficult to make a living as a small business owner that I really don't want to patronize. I don't really want to penalize the small business owners that may have views different from the views that I have, uh, you know, to each their own, right? And I think more political activism, more conversation, I think that could be a good thing. But if I were so turned off by a store's political views, I would just not go there. I would not go up to the teller or the manager or the owner, I don't know what this person was, and say, Hey, by the way, I'm not eating here because of X. I just wouldn't go there. And it got me thinking, what would you do if there was a store that you were going to patronize or a restaurant? What would you do? You've gotten you've got three different approaches here, maybe a fourth even that I don't I haven't considered. But you have the Cynthia approach, which is to go in there, well, once you see the sign that you disagree with, tell them I would have purchased this, but I'm not. Bye. You have Rachel's philosophy, which is just not patronize it. And you have mine, which at this point in my life is basically just patronize it. If they have stuff you want, just go there. Where do you come down on stores, businesses, restaurants, advertising things that you find very objectionable? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. That is the question. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Now, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to say that um, a lot of people are going to say that, uh, well, oh, that's what you want. Uh, these uh, Trump hating people like Cynthia, they they just that's how they are. They're they're so bitter. They're so angry. I think, you know, if you can't empathize with what it's like to be in her shoes, just make it a political view that you don't agree with. If you're a Trump supporter. Let's say the sign says Trump is a traitor or Trump is an insurrectionist, something that you vehemently disagree with, not just a Biden sign, but just something that you find so incredibly objectionable. Uh, Trump is a Nazi. Trump is Hitler. Trump is an insurrectionist, whatever. Just for this scenario, don't necessarily get into Trump versus Biden. Get into the situation. That's what I'd like to hear from you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Let me tell you what's coming up. 
Coming up in um, about uh, 15 minutes, we are going to talk plastics. You remember that classic line in the movie The Graduate? I love The Graduate. It's uh, one of my favorites. I love anything with Anne Bancroft and most things with uh, Dustin Hoffman. And when Benjamin is graduating, he gets some very sage advice. Well, well, trust me, he gets some very sage advice, and it has to do with plastic. And anyway, um, we've got a plastic problem in this country. We are seeing plastic in everything, including our own bodies. And we need to figure out what we're going to do about it. At least I think we do. And our next guest is an author, a lawyer, a professor, a scientist, a brilliant woman, and she has some thoughts on uh, what we could do in terms of uh, in terms of plastic. So we'll get into that. We're going to do denunciations coming up at the top of next hour, and then a little later we'll do movies with Debbie Schlossel, and we have some special year-end programming as well. Meantime, though, I would be negligent if I didn't give uh, Tony an opportunity to tell us who won the uh, best question during Ask Frank Anything. What do we got, Tony? Um, um, we're going with um, Igor. Igor, uh, and his question, what was it about again? Um, how long... How, uh, long? how long should people be on vacation yeah, if they're on the radio? The radio yeah. All right, so Igor, call back and uh, give your, your name and information to Elias, and we will send you a prize of some sort. Okay, 800-848-9222. What do you do if there's a service that you love, a business that you like, and they're selling something you want to buy, and they have a sign that you just find so incredibly objectionable. How do you handle it? 800-848-9222. Kevin, how do you handle it? Yeah, I uh, first of all, I love the show. I don't eat at Chick-fil-A. I know that the owner of Chick-fil-A is extremely anti-gay, and as a gay man, um, I don't put my money in that business. That's simple. Well, see, you have sort of raised this to a whole new level because if you go to Chick-fil-A... And uh, I, I don't, but if you go to Chick-fil-A, as I understand it, there's no sign that says um, anything political or anything religious, right? It's all basically food-related. Right? I mean, am I right, correct right. in that? Correct. Right. correct. So, well, I don't go to the restaurants. Right. But uh, understood. Food, so. Understood. So what you're do- doing, essentially, is you have become aware of the political and the religious views, which you consider to be bigoted, of the ownership of the restaurant. And you're, even though they're not advertising them when they go to the restaurant, you're making the decision that you don't want to support the politics or the bigotry of that owner, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent, absolutely. And the story you started with, with the lady that told the owner, your sign is the reason I'm not purchasing these items. I would do the exact same thing. You're entitled to believe that way, but I'm certainly entitled not to give my money and support that belief. See, I I hear where you're coming from, and I know a lot of people did the same thing with Martin's potato rolls. People did the same thing with Heinz ketchup uh, and and other sorts of things. I don't, and and I appreciate where you're coming from, Kevin. I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that uh, because, well, one, I I just patronize all the businesses that are offering products that I want to begin with, but. I especially wouldn't do it in the case of everything that I just mentioned, Chick-fil-A, Martin Potato Rolls, or uh, Goya. Goya, people weren't going to order the beans. They weren't going to eat the beans because AOC said the head of Goya, uh, Robert Inoue, went to the White House with Trump. Oh, everybody should boycott Goya. 
I wouldn't do that because when you go to buy something at Goya or at Chick-fil-A, they're not advertising for a political view or, or a certain candidate. They're keeping it out of the business. So I don't like boycotting businesses because of the personal beliefs of the owners. I don't. I don't. I see. I hear where Kevin's coming from, and obviously it's an issue that's important to him. But I, uh, I don't. I don't agree with that at all. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. David is in the boogie down Bronx. Hi, David. Yes. Good morning. Um, I would agree with you that people should make. Well, I, I'm not sure if you agree with this, but this is my position anyway. I think people should be able to make up their own minds about where they shop and for whatever reason. But my question to you about this is, considering the difficult business climate, and you've, I'm sure you've seen plenty of businesses going out of um, closing in recent years, why on earth would they make it harder for themselves to conduct business knowing how politically divided we all are? Because why would you take the chance of driving away a potential customer if you have your political views as a business owner, keep them to yourself? You I know, think that's the simplest way to do it. David, there are that's such a good point. And I'll tell you who agrees with you completely on this. It was it, my Uncle Joe, who I guarantee you agrees with you on nothing politically. He's as conservative as it can be, and he's very much a talk radio conservative. But I would I worked for him in his shoe repair shop when I was, you know, uh, 13, 14, 15, maybe even a little younger. And I, um, I would go in there, you know, every Saturday and sometimes after school. And I, you know, knew how political he was. He would listen to talk radio constantly, would love to talk about politics. And he was, you know, conservative as can be, always, almost always voted Republican. And I, you would see all these other businesses in the neighborhood with signs up of Republican candidates that were running. And I would say, Uncle Joe... Why don't you have one of those signs up? You're going to vote for that guy, just like all the other businesses are. Why wouldn't you want to put that sign up? Because He said exactly what you just said. He said, I don't want to lose business because someone doesn't agree with my politics. He says, uh, you know, I'm Republican. I'm, I'm going to vote Republican. I'm going to contribute to Republican candidates. If people ask my opinion, I'll tell them why I'm a conservative. But... I'm not going to tell people that believe differently from me not to get their shoes repaired here. I I respect that view completely. I tend to think, uh, look, I like seeing the signs. You know, uh, even if it's a sign that I don't agree with, I just I love hearing why people believe certain things. I, I like it. And that's one of the reasons I wouldn't penalize businesses. But a lot of business owners view exactly the situation as you do. Exactly. 800-848-9222. So what do you do? You see a sign in a store that you don't agree with. Do you do what my relative Cynthia did? Confront the person? Do you do what my wife did? Just not go there? Or do you do what I do and just go there anyway? 800-848-9222. Cy is in New Brunswick. What do you think, Cy? Hi, Frank. I I don't I do a personal boycott. If I don't like a sign or something, I just don't give them business. I don't tell anybody. Just do my own thing, and they lose me out. Target, for instance. I see certain flags in certain businesses. I just don't buy from them. Now, I uh, that's what I, what I would do. And I said to Cynthia, why not just not go there? And she said, well, I want them to know this is why they lost the business. What do you say to that argument, Cy, that they should know that putting up a flag or a political message of some sort, that's what's causing them to lose I, the business? I often find that I'm not going to change people's opinion and they're not going to change mine. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you, Cy. I think that uh, I think that's very astute. 800-848-9222. Eli, what do you think? I would say that you you you're a hundred percent right. Your way your way is probably the most righteous way to go. But but I would I would do slightly different. I would do like your wife maybe because I I in a way if I if I see something I'll just respect the guy that that hung up the sign or 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 even though it's something that I don't I don't really respect or like I I would um I would just not go into that store, you know? Yeah, uh, I hear you, Eli. Thank you. And look, if it's something that's overtly hateful, um, that's different. But if it's a political belief, even one that I don't agree with, that's um, that's another thing. I don't think businesses should be penalized for their views. I don't. I, I mean, they are all the time on the left and on the right. I think, you know, they say that's one of the reasons my Bialik might have been canceled for, as the host of Jeopardy. She was way too outspoken in a lot of her views. So I think that, uh, you know, we're seeing this play out in big business as well as in small business. Felix in Pennsylvania, what do you think? All right, listen, Frank, I will tell you this. I would tell everybody in my family and all my friends that I would agree with what that person put out there. I believe that the globalists are trying to take over, you know, the Western civilization, Judeo-Christian civilization, and uh, same thing with Bolsonaro in Brazil, the way they stole that election. And uh, so I would encourage them. I would tell, I would walk up to them and say, I agree with everything that you say in the reverse of Cynthia, and I will give them as much business as possible. Right, but Felix, let's say they were putting up a sign that you didn't agree with. Let's say they had the sign that said Trump is an insurrectionist. I would walk up and tell them exactly that I will not do business with them. Right. I will not spend so my money. There. You would handle it the same way Cynthia did, essentially. And that's kind of what my question is. It's not about whether Biden stole the election or not. It's about how you handle this sort of a thing. Uh, we're going to talk with um, you know a really bright person about plastic in just a bit as we uh, engage with Sarah Morath in just, a, in just a few minutes. Julius listening on WCBM in Baltimore. Hello, Julius. Yeah, how you doing, Frank? Yeah, how you doing, Frank? Good, I'm well, Hello. thanks. Hello. Yeah, Julius, go ahead. Yeah, um, but I, well, my mind, I, I, I think you're almost 100. percent I agree with you on that. But, but you know, you got different ethnics, and you got uh, like here in Maryland, where I stayed, we got we got Mexicans. They got stores when you go in them. They they got all the Mexican things from their heritage or their area. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't offend you, but if you feel it though you're offended, then I feel like you just go somewhere else and you, you, you use your wallet to, to speak what, what you don't want to say or whatever. You, you just go to somewhere else. Interesting. Uh, thank you, Julius. Uh, let me end with Rick here before we get to uh, Sarah Morath. Uh, Rick, give me your thoughts. Hello there. How are you, Frank? Uh, happy holiday and all that stuff. Thank you. Likewise to you. I used to own... I, I appreciate that, and God bless uh, you and Carmine, and your wife Rachel. Even though she sounds like a liberal, uh, what? Why do you think she sounds blog. like a liberal? <laughs> because, because you said that she wouldn't give the uh, the place uh, the the business. Right, uh, but I didn't tell you who the politician her. was that uh, uh, that. I, think uh, I have a feeling. Yeah, I, I, I you I I don't think called. I don't think you're right on that one. But go ahead, Rick. Uh, you, I guess you would know better than I would. Right? You, one would hope, but uh, who knows. Give me your thought, Rick. Yeah, I okay. I uh, I paid for a life size 
waterproof Trump to put outside my bar, and I had a big, and I had a big thing: eat here, drink here. You know, uh, like one of those bubbles that has has it coming out of his mouth, like something he would say. Mm-hmm. And I had, a, and he was by a marquee, and I would put political sayings on the marquee as well. And my thought was, I wanted like people at my bar. In addition to, I wanted to show, because it's New York, I wanted to show people that I wasn't afraid of my political view. Okay, well, I respect that. Now, what what about the question that David raised, that what if displaying that costs you business? Are you better off? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think for a lot of things. Number one, I was true to myself. Number two, I do think it's the right way to be. <laughs> you know, my my side. Uh, and and number three, it's a bar. So, and my bar was kind of conservative like I am. You know? And so, you know, you add alcohol and then political views, you know, it really doesn't mix. Well, I hear that, Rick. Um, thank you. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I if I owned a bar, which I would love to do one day, but if I owned a bar, I would want everybody drinking there conservatives, liberals, and uh, I, I would love to mix it up with people of varying political persuasions because, as I've said before, I think when people separate the red shirts from the blue shirts, it's amazing how much they end up agreeing um, with one another. But look, I give you credit to not being embarrassed of who you're for and what you believe in. Go ahead, put it out there. Why not? Good for you. All right. Those of you that are holding and want to comment on this, I am. Uh, I will get to you. But we will talk plastic and what can be done about it straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. A lot of you, like me, remember the classic film The Graduate. And Dustin Hoffman, who is supposedly just graduating, gets some very profound advice. It all boils down to just one word plastics. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Plastics. Exactly. How do you mean? There's a great future in plastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. That's a deal. Well, 
Had Dustin Hoffman listened to that advice back in 1969, he might have been a very wealthy man. I have a feeling Dustin Hoffman did okay for himself anyway, but that character, Benjamin, would have done really well because plastic is everywhere. You might remember a few months ago, uh, we tried to interview, well, no, we interviewed A.J. Jacobs, who tried to go a day without using or encountering plastic. Couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because plastic, which was nowhere a couple of hundred years ago, literally, is now everywhere. It's holding what we drink. It's holding what we eat. It's in our clothing. It's on the floor. It's everywhere. Now, Is that a problem? If so, what do we do about it? Well, there was a really interesting op-ed in The Hill recently. Headline, Recycling Won't Solve the Plastic Problem. Here's What Will. The author of that very interesting piece is somebody who's pretty accomplished. Professor, lawyer, scientist, author of the award-winning book, Our Plastic Problem and How to Solve It. Very pleased to welcome to the program, Sarah Morath. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all the other adjacent holidays. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for that kind introduction. Uh, So how much plastic is out there in the world, as far as we know, Sarah, at this point? Uh, There are millions of pounds of plastic that are generated and produced um, daily. And the amount that we're generating right now is expected to double by the year 2040. So um, if we have 700 million metric tons entering right now, we can just expect that to double by the year 2040. And how does that compare to the way things were, I don't know, 100 years ago? Well, 100 years ago, uh, plastic was still mostly in the laboratory. Um, plastic was is a man-made synthetic material that was um, designed early on as a replacement for ivory, actually. So a lot of products that were used, like billiard balls and combs that were Um, made of ivory uh, were replaced with sort of plastic um, products, essentially, the earlier, the early version of plastic products that we have today. Um, And so plastic really began to develop in laboratories during World War I and World War II and was used in a lot of um, products that were used in the wartime effort. So nylons, you know, nylon mm-hmm. pantyhose mm-hmm. that became, you know, incorporated into things like parachutes, um, plexiglass for, used in windshields for planes, much lighter and durable. And so um, it really was the wartime effort that spurred a lot of research and innovation around man-made synthetic plastics. Um and- and so yeah. why is that a problem? The headline of your or the title of your book is Our Plastic Problem. Why is it a problem that there's all these millions of tons of plastic everywhere and we're producing more and more each week and the rate that we're producing at is, is only going to go up? What's the big deal? The big deal is that we don't have um, a... It persists in our environment. It doesn't biodegrade. It just degrades. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so you are creating or we are creating and using 
um, products that are going to stay in our environment for hundreds of years. And because plastic is a new product, we don't really know how long <laughs> it's going to last in our mm. environment. But we know that, you know, researchers have found plastics from, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, and they can identify them just from the markings um, on, on the plastic. They can identify what the product is. Um, and so the problem is that it persists our envir- in our environment, and we don't have an adequate way of sort of recycling it or, or incorporating it back into a useful product. So we're basically, you know, when you think about um, uh, a product, it's, it's make, use, dispose, and that's what we're doing with plastic. And it's so much, so much <laughs> plastic. We use it in everything mm. that we're just sort of, you know, pushing it out into the environment with not really thinking about um how much is going into the environment and adequately thinking about reusing it. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Sarah Morath. She's the author of the book, Our Plastic Problem and How to Solve It. Now, um, you mentioned how the amount of plastic we're producing is pretty massive. There's really no precedent for this level of plastic production in human history, and there's going to be a whole lot more of it pretty soon. It was interesting that you said a second ago that recycling, or I, I don't remember the word you used, but you said essentially that there's no real way Way to recycle this. Now, I'm really into taking cans and bottles to the grocer and getting the, the money back for the bottle redemption. Now, they do let you recycle plastic bottles for things like water bottles, soda bottles. In my mind, and I think in the minds of a lot of people that do this, they mash these little bottles up into a million little plastic pieces, and then they use that those million little plastic pieces to make other plastic products. Is that not what happens? Why isn't recycling helping solve the plastic problem? So you know a kind of plastic, plastic bottles, and so plastic bottles are uh, are made of a particular kind of polymer of plastic, um, PET, and it, it's got a number on it. Usually, you, you might be familiar with the chasing arrows, and then a number inside of that um, chasing arrows symbol. Mm-hmm. And um, the one is what the plastic bottles are, and we actually do a pretty good job recycling those those uh, kinds of polymers, those kinds of plastics. But um, I think I've got a statistic like it's around maybe like, you know, um, in the 30s or 40s percent of that kind of plastic gets gets recycled. Now, there's a couple of problems. One is that plastic is not indefinitely recyclable. So as you mash it and crunch it and and melt it and reform form you formulate that plastic bottle, it will eventually become weaker and weaker. The chemical bonds between those polymers will gradually degrade and become weaker and weaker. So even the plastic bottles that can be recycled into other plastic bottles are not indefinitely recyclable, right? There will become a point where they're not really sturdy enough to to use as a plastic bottle. So lots of plastics are downgraded into other kinds of products. So that's one problem is that it's not indefinitely recyclable. The other problem is that there are many different kinds of polymers of plastic. So we mentioned plastic bottles, but there's things like plastic bags, which are a different kind of plastic, um, plastic utensils, um, the containers like that your uh, orange juice or your margarine might come in. Those kinds of plastics carry a different um, resin resin identification code, so a different number within that chasing arrows um, symbol, and that represents a different polymer. And when you mix those polymers, like a one with a three 
or a four and a two, you don't get the same kind of product, right? So you're, you can't make the same product um, when you mix the plastics together. You have to make some other kind of product, and that's that downcycling. Like it gets incorporated into asphalt or other kinds of products. So it's the polymer complexity that makes recycling challenging and um, the fact that the bonds between the chemicals uh, in the plastic polymers will eventually break down to a point where they can't sort of create that good product anymore. I want to get to your solution in just a moment, but uh, just one more question on the recycling front, because I, I think a lot of people are curious about this because they see the folks, especially in cities like mine, grabbing all the bottles that are put out for recycling and thinking, okay, good, uh, that at least is being used towards some productive purpose. I came across an article a few years ago that indicated that a lot of the materials, both glass and plastic that we were recycling was being sold to China for them to make things with. And that uh, as of a few years ago, China was all of a sudden much less interested in purchasing our, our recycled materials or our recyclables. Do you have any idea if that's true and where things stand on that front now? Yeah, that is true. Actually, China implemented a policy in 2017, which went into effect in 2017. 18, which um, sort of shut off the trade, the waste trade. So it wasn't just plastic that we were trading with China. It was other kinds of waste like um, paper and aluminum and other kinds of things. But that you're correct in that China no longer is accepting waste from the United States. And so the U.S. has had to find other trade partners um, for materials that we are not managing ourselves in terms of landfilling or incinerating or recycling. So we have other trade partners. I was just reading, getting ready for this interview. I think China, I'm sorry, Canada and Mexico are big trade partners in terms of the waste trade. So those are countries where we are in agreement with sending some of our waste. But you are correct in that we no longer send our waste to China. Um, And that was a policy that was implemented um, by China about, I guess, now almost five years ago. Um, But it's still going it's still going somewhere. People shouldn't assume it's useless and they should just throw it in the trash. Yeah, no, I would still encourage, especially the plastic bottles, since we're pretty good at recycling plastic bottles, I would still encourage that. Um, recycling that. And and so my solution as we're getting to that part of the interview would be to kind of um, use less plastic Mm -hmm. and that plastic that you are using to be conscious of the number that is on the plastic and be cognizant that the number, just because there's a recycling symbol on it doesn't necessarily mean that that plastic is recyclable. It's just a way of identifying the kind of polymer that makes up that plastic. Got it. It's actually, it's called a resin identification code. It was actually created by manufacturers of plastic, not environmentalists, to kind of identify the polymer that goes into the different plastics that are out there. When I did a previous segment on plastic, a few of the listeners pushed back at uh, kind of whatever my guest was saying about plastic being such a potentially big problem. Uh, One person, for instance, wrote to me and said, plastics have extended our lives uh, as they've reduced many common surfaces of infection germs, infectious germs. Much of the single-use plastics are used in medicine, food services, 
cleaner too. Uh, another person wrote to me that plastics replace the use of metals in many industries, including in the water bottle that I drink drink from. And in doing so, there's less environmental damage from mining and processing ores. Uh, they're lighter than metals, so they're cheaper and they use less fuel to transport. You mentioned the issue that I was unaware of with respect to it replacing ivory, and hopefully maybe that means a few elephants have been saved. Is plastic being unfairly villainized, not just by you, but by the world? Yes. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a plasticator because I think there are some wonderful uses of plastic, particularly in the medical industry mm-hmm. that you mentioned. And in terms of keeping things sanitary and clean, it plastic does a wonderful job. I think the problem that we have is that it is maybe being used unnecessarily in certain products. Or, you know, one thing that we talk about a lot is that plastic makes a lot of the packaging, you know, takes up a lot of packaging, and maybe there's some unnecessary plastic being used in packaging, or there's other ways of, um, you know, sending something through through the mail without having all of that bubble wrap or whatever else, you know, we're including in that in Got that. Um, in that. So you are correct. When we, when we switch products out <laughs> and in, um, there's always environmental trade-offs. Um, you mentioned plastic being really light. And so we can imagine that then the carbon footprint of sort of sending something um, that's bottled in plastic instead of glass is going to be significantly less. So you're right. There are these trade-offs. I think the Again, I would go back to thinking about phasing out unnecessary plastics, and that's where I would focus my attention first, Got it. as opposed to the critical plastics. Got it. I alluded to the headline of your piece in The Hill, Recycling Won't Solve the Plastic Problem. Here's what will. The uh, title of your book is Our Plastic Problem and How to Solve It. So, Sarah, give us the uh, answer <laughs> to the million-dollar question. How do we solve the plastic problem? <laughs> Gosh, well, um, I think it's a multi-pronged approach is, is the approach that I take in, in, in my book um, as well. And that there, there is no silver bullet. It's, I think any environmental problem we'd like to have, like, this is what we need to do and this will solve all the problems. As I mentioned, there's all of these trade-offs. So I would sort of, you know, my solution would, would be like fo- focusing first on reducing the amount of unnecessary plastics we have. And then when we get to plastics that are critical, um, thinking about whether uh, eliminating the toxicity of that plastic or thinking about the design of that plastic and designing it in a way that is less harmful to the environment when it, we're finished using that plastic, for example. Um, so those would be my two main focuses, would be reducing the amount of unnecessary plastic and then thinking creatively about our design of the remaining plastic and and ways in which it could be um, phasing out harmful chemicals uh, or the persistent chemicals or designing it in a way that could be less harmful um, when we're done using it. So more biodegradable or, um, you know, more simplifying the chemicals that go into the plastic so that they can be recycled better um, would be another, I guess, a third solution there too. Um, so the plastic industry isn't really heavily regulated. So there's all of these chemicals and additives that are going into all of these different kinds of plastics right now. And so if we can simplify those chemicals and additives, it would be a lot easier to recycle plastics um, in the long run. So how do we do it? Is the answer uh, better regulation? And, and what form would that regulation take? Gosh, that's a great question. So um, yeah, I mean, it's not, 
Um, it's not a heavily regulated industry. The industry wanted to self-regulate, and that's why we don't have any laws on the books that target plastic specifically. Um, and so there are, isn't a lot of regulation of plastic. But I think it could be through the EPA, um, better uh, monitoring and better reporting of the chemicals that are going into that into that plastic. So right now there isn't any a system really to in place to um, uh, regulate or monitor the kinds of um, chemicals that are being added to all of all of the plastics that we're creating. So uh, you know some sort of database or requirement um, from industry to report the kinds of chemicals that are being used um, in really just kind of thinking about simplifying the process. Chemicals are, the, the plastics are so, are not homogenous. There, there are so many kinds of plastics and that's one of the frustrations to recycling is that there's the impurities and the chemicals of all of the different plastics make it hard to kind of have this system where we can continually recycle plastics. You know, one of the things that we hear uh, a lot of uh, pushback from American consumers when there's movement towards things like electric vehicles and other things is they'll inevitably point out, many of them, uh, that why should Americans be making all of these sacrifices and implementing all these regulations when some of the biggest culprits, India, China, they're not doing the same thing? I could see people raising some of the same concerns when it comes to plastic. Let's say the United States does go in more in towards a an area of regulating plastic, but other countries don't. They keep producing plastic wildly and having it fill up the landfills and having it fill up the oceans that all the countries use. Is there anything that can be done to have the international community cut back on their plastic production? That's a great a great question because you are right in that you know the U.S. is a big generator of plastic, but so are so is China and so is India. Um, th- yeah, those are the three big <laughs> three big countries right there. Um, so you know one thing that is happening now, which is this is I guess positive, is that the international community is talking about creating a global treaty to address plastic pollution, and so. Um, having all of those countries participate, whether or not they sign the treaty is another question, but at least having their voices at, at these meetings um, and at the, you know, the, the sessions where the terms of the treaty are being discussed are, are important. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same. We see the same problem with, with CO2 emissions. Uh, Why does the U S have to reduce CO2 emissions when China and India are, are large contributors as well? I think it's a global problem and it requires a global solution just like climate change does. And so, um, you know, I think the world looks to the U.S. often. And so we can be a leader in this um, and hopefully other other countries will will join us. They can choose not to. But um, at least the international community at the moment is about a plastic uh, treaty, which, um, you know, covers everything through from the everything throughout the life cycle of plastic. Mm-hmm. So it's a very comprehensive um, discussion that the international compu- community is having right now. Sarah, we're going to have to end it there. I very much appreciate the time. I hope we could chat again. 
No, I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Thank you. We've been talking with Sarah Morath. Uh, Her book is Our Plastic Problem and How to Solve It. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Top of the hour. This our last show of 2023. Happy to be here, and uh, happy that you're here with me. Going to get back to your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. You know what gift my wife requested, and my mother, consummate gift giver that she is, delivered. My wife said that she because our grocery bill is just crazy, crazy. So she said. What she would really like is a membership to Costco. I said, honey, you got to be careful. If you've ever spoken to someone that's a Costco member, it's almost like a cult. They're not Costco members. They're Costcoholics. These people are obsessed with Costco. If you ever hear that someone's a Costco person... You just need to mention the rotisserie chickens to them or the Frankfurters. And then forget about it. They will give you an earful. They're all pro-Costco. And I know. I have Costcoholics in my own favor, in my own family. And uh, she said, no, 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 no. I'm just going to order online, do the delivery. And I said, honey, I'm telling you, that's how it starts. They, st- you know, And I use the example, and maybe I shouldn't share this, but I will. I use the example that when her sister, uh, who was, you know, grew up in an evangelical Christian household as she did, she started to tell us when she was in college, yeah, you know, I'm going to some Jewish meetings at college just to learn more about Judaism. And now she's a full-fledged Orthodox Jew. This is you. I have the same feeling. You're going to start out by saying, yeah, I'm just going to buy online By the time that you are done, I guarantee you, you are going to be fully converted to the cause of Costco. Now, she made her first trip yesterday there. So far, she is not fully converted. She thinks a lot of the packaging is uh, is too big. You don't necessarily need four dozen eggs. You need a dozen eggs. But um, she was happy that she's, in her view, that we have enough paper towels and toilet paper to last Five years now. So we're okay if there's another COVID lockdown. So we're going to see how this goes. 
But I've seen this. I've seen this time and again. The Costco conversion. Be careful what you wish for. They hook you. They hook you. So I bet you that's what's going to happen with her. We're, we're in a dispute now about when to take our Christmas tree down because I believe the Christmas tree should be up until Little Christmas, which is January 6th. She wants to take it down earlier. She was saying, oh, no, I mean, that means it's going to be up for weeks. I said, well, it's tradition. It's tradition. You put it up the day after Thanksgiving. You take it down on Little Christmas. Curious when you take your tree down. And if you're with me on that one, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Mark is, from, is calling from Billy Marks West, one of the great old school bars in Manhattan. Mark, I, I owe you guys a, a visit there. I haven't been in there in a while. How's everything going? Mark. All right, we lost Mark. All right, well, it's still a great bar. I still look forward to checking that out. Clark is in Maryland. Hello, Clark. Hey, good uh, good morning, uh, Frank. Hi. Uh, uh, happy, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year coming up. Uh, Thank you, you too. Nice to catch your, your show. But, uh, yeah, as far as the plastics go, uh, I, that was very interesting what that woman was saying. Um, and I, I think one thing, I, I think recycling is good to a point. Um, you know, but I, I think we should be more into um, incineration of, of trash and, and things of that nature. Um, there's a place down in Baltimore called Baltimore Resco where I took an actual, I, I took a, a, a tour of the facility down there and how it actually gets rid of trash. It removes all the germs. Uh, you know, it, of course, they pull steel out of there. They recycle the steel. And it provides electricity, provides steam for the city of Baltimore and so forth. Uh, but anyway, um, interesting topic. Uh, well, but I think burning trash is one thing. I think burning plastic, though, specifically is another thing. Because, I, again, I don't pretend to be a scientist, but my understanding is that when you burn plastics, it releases toxic gases into the air. I mean, who wants to breathe that? Well, there was some talk about that, and see, it's it, basically they're petroleum products, so they, they burn really well, uh, and, and they have these uh, per, electrostatic precipitators, which are like filters on top of the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the units, the, the, the incinerators, that actually filter a lot of that, those toxins out, and it, it all depends on the temperatures that they're burning uh these these toxins too that actually will uh, will burn up the toxins themselves so it is a very scientific uh thing um but uh but anyway the other thing i was going to mention was about did you ever see the video where a guy goes into a diner and he's got a hat on that says make america great again i uh, i don't uh, know that i have i don't know that i have uh, clark i have to end it there i'm sorry uh, we'll continue with your calls in a moment. We also have uh, denunciations coming your way. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.